0: it back and scores. Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net. Comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold rights here on Dillon. Dillon comes back to the right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by Leibold. Now we got another fight. Brady Leibold got the right hand coming on Tony Mann. Top, then trying to control him, as uh Leeville got that jackass right going. Swing a lot off the helmet. No Cody Van answering, but Leeville took the laps, and he got a few more in there. Oh, you gotta be loving this if at the Civic Center
1: tonight. Wow. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin the Road to Recovery. This is episode number 12, and once again this episode is proudly brought to you by Team issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Uh, I want to firstly say that right now I'm sitting in uh, a complete team issued sweatsuit and hat. Uh, I got the package. It was supposed to come yesterday, but I guess with the COVID-19, I will give Canada post a pass. Uh, and it came this morning. Uh, it, what a what a nice surprise it was like christmas i really had no idea that uh what jesse was going to be sending me uh it was a gift Uh, he sent me about 10 different hats uh some stuff for the kids some stuff for my girlfriend uh some stickers some bracelets some shakers for the gym like protein shakes i don't know if he knows me that well but i haven't worked out in a long time maybe that's a hint i have no idea but um jesse thank you for that and and i want to say guys and i've said it before. Uh, but now I can actually tell you that the the quality of their their clothing and their hats is... I'm not just saying this. I don't think I'll wear a diff- another hat. I'm wearing a snapback right now that's a flex fit snapback. I've never even had a hat or seen a hat like this. Maybe that's because I've been um, messed up for so long. Maybe it's a thing or maybe it's not. I have no idea, but I've never had a had a comfy hat like this in my life, and uh, I have like six or seven of them now. Um, so head over to www.teamissued.ca, and once again, promo code towdrag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Uh, it's been an exciting week. I had Brent Sopel on, and he was an amazing guest, and actually since then, uh, you know, we've actually built an amazing friendship, and um, what a guy he is, and uh, you know, we've talked uh, every day since and we've set up a time now that we're going to talk uh, one, at least once a week every week so that's great um you know i'm building new friendships and uh, obviously his story is is extremely powerful and he's inspiring a lot of people and uh, uh, to have him as a friend and somebody on my side means the world to me so thank you to brent uh, paul rosen brought that that friendship together so thank you to him uh, once again i'm in uh, the matt leshinsky studio i want to say um that i've talked. Uh, to Matt's mom, Nancy, uh, you know, she, uh, I didn't know her beforehand. Uh, I never knew Matt, as I've said many of times, and I'll say it, and I'll keep saying it. Matt uh, was a second-round pick of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, he's the same age as I, he was the same age as me. Uh, he played for them for a bit and uh, suffered with mental health and addiction, and he lost his battle to addiction a few years ago. Uh, a new friend, Matt Thompson, as I've said, Uh, brought this to my attention. And when I started building this studio, he ended up sending me a little bit of money. Him and I talked about it and decided to name it the Matt Leshynski Studio. So um, Nancy's actually agreed to come up here um, on the, uh, you know, once it's all done, me and Matt Thompson are going to get a plaque made up. Uh, We're going to have Nancy and Nancy's husband out and his uh, Matt's sister, Amy, up. uh, And hopefully we can get like a cool guest in and do a do a show right on the spot or something uh, as in honor of Matt's memory. So that's kind of nice. And uh, it was really nice to, to chat with Nancy and I look forward to developing that relationship. Um, yesterday, I spoke with Sheldon Kennedy. Um, if you haven't heard that one uh, is the very first time I've been public uh, with uh, open about the sexual abuse that took place in my childhood in uh, no comparison. Is it to Sheldon Kennedy's? Uh, however, Uh, abuse is abuse and the conversation we had yesterday was phenomenal um you know it you know I want to apologize right now too because uh, in a couple of these podcasts I've been swearing a little too much and I want to make a before I go any further I, I want to say this that this by no means was this show ever for kids um you know I want this show to be about helping people and sharing my story and I'm just learning how to do it Um, sometimes my message might not be the greatest or might not come out the way that I want it to, but I want to develop a a way to get the message of recovery across and, um, you know, just to help people, uh, you know, and sometimes that can be a struggle, but, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying and I'm going to continue to be open and honest to you guys. And, uh, actually earlier today, uh, you know, after disclosing that information, it's, uh, you know, listening to it this morning with my girlfriend, it was kind of hard and, uh, when we were driving to town and um, there was also an article that was released this morning too. And uh, on sportsnet.ca, which this uh, episode was, is all about, uh, but we'll get into that. And uh, you know, I got emotional and I actually started a fight with my girlfriend Taylor and, you know, a horrible fight. I was actually really mean to her and, you know, started uh, almost in that mode of self, self self-sabotaging again. Um, You know, and I, ran away from her and said I was leaving and this and that. And I'm in tears and, um, you know, she's chasing me down the street and I'm telling her to leave me alone. It was a horror. It was not a good sight And I was like, you know, that's, that's old birdie leave old habits right there. And, uh, you know, I was able to walk away and, um, sit down and I'll be honest, I cried it out for a good 10 minutes. I was just thinking about everything that I talked about yesterday with Sheldon, um, reading the article, there's a part in the article that I'll get to about my dad looking for me on Hastings. Um, that part really broke me and, uh, you know, and I just, I didn't know how to handle the emotion. So I want to apologize. Um, you know, I told Taylor, sorry already, but I want to apologize to her and, Um, She's put up with a lot of my bullshit, and I apologize for that. And uh, I apologize to the listeners uh, for all the swearing because yesterday and talking with Brent, uh, I'll be honest, it felt like I was talking to my friend and and I just was so lost in the conversation that I dropped a few more F-bombs than I would have liked to. Um, But by no means am I not going to swear on this show uh, just to get that out of the way. Um, But at the same time, I know I didn't like the way that it sounded. So uh, that's something I'm going to work on just for anyone listening. Uh, but by no means is it for kids under the age of like 13 or 14. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to be respectful because that's who I am. But uh, let's get into the episode before we do. Uh, reminder, guys, uh, to check out www.thehockeypodcastnetwork uh, That is the new platform for Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. Uh, they will have all my episodes and full access to my episodes immediately after they're done. Uh, and then they'll be available on the platforms that I've been using uh, shortly thereafter, a day or two. Um, uh, I'm looking into getting into video podcasting, uh, but for now we're going to stick with the audio. Uh, we're updating the logo. That's something hopefully that I'm going to talk to my guest about here. Um, but let's get into it. So this morning on sportsnet.ca, there was a great article written by me, uh, uh, by this writer. He's, um, he's a veteran, as far as sports writing goes and writing in general, uh, He's got 30 years experience of sports writing. He's worked for the New York Times, uh, ESPN, and of course, Sportsnet. Um, I'm probably missing a whole bunch because I'm not going to lie. He's a lot older than I am. Um, He's written over a dozen books, a lot of great sports books. Uh, The Most Valuable, How Sidney Crosby Became the Best Player in Hockey's Greatest Era and Changed the Game, Uh, When the Lights Went Out, How One Brawl Ended, Hockey's Cold War and Changed the Game, which is a great book, um, which... This guy can talk about, he writ the, wrote the Young Leafs, Hockey Canada, 30 years of going for gold at the World Juniors, uh, The Devil and Bobby Hall, how hockey's original million dollar man became the game's lost legend, just to name a few. Uh, of course, he wrote Future Great and Heartbreaks, which... Um, I'm featured in, uh, which is, was one of my claim to fames as when I was still like in my addiction. And then I was like, well, if I die a drug addict, at least I'm in a book forever. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, he also uh, wrote a book called the code, which was adapted to the series private eyes with Canada's Jason Priestley. He's actually from Vancouver. One of my faves. Um, he, this guy also came to Swift current where I met him in 2006 and wrote an incredible piece. Uh, called Denial or Death uh, for ESPN, for ESPN uh, on the 25th anniversary of the Swift Current Bronco's unfortunate and tragic bus crash. Uh, I was there, and he interviewed me. Uh, we made some noise in Swift Current because of it, and we want to talk about that. Uh, Garrett Joyce, um, thank you for joining me. Uh, we obviously have a history, but before uh, saying anything, uh, I want to say what a great job you did uh, writing this piece. I know I wasn't an easy person to follow because – uh, as in the article you wrote, I was bouncing like a pinball and, and I said, uh, you know, I said to the people closest to me, I don't know how he's going to do it because, uh, my ADD or my undiagnosed ADD, I should say, um, was definitely kicking in. So thank you, Gare, uh, for being with us.
0: Well, that's a crazy introduction. Do we have any time left? Holy cow. That was, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know, no, it was, it was, uh, I want to say that I thought it was an important story to write uh and important to get your your story out there and I think that people will come away having read it with uh a better idea of uh sort of the the dangers and risk taking uh that uh athletes can succumb to uh, And it's almost as if there's a a carryover from the risks that you take as a player to the risks that you're ready to take outside the arena.
1: Yeah, uh, Gary, you did such a great job at capturing my story. Uh, I said to you as you were writing the piece that I could write a book just on a day or a couple of days of my time. Not. I mean, on Hastings, but not even just down there, just in my life in general, some of the crazy things I've gone through. And I think you highlighted a lot of these points in there. And what you're saying is you're right. And, um, you know, at that time in junior hockey, I can only speak for myself. And But uh, from everyone I spoke to, I'm sure they'll tell you the same. Uh, you'll do whatever it takes. And um you know i'm still living with though with the these decisions that i made from playing hockey obviously the decisions outside of hockey i'm living with too in a different way but uh you know living with the symptoms of concussions and all these broken bones and uh you know um so many there's just such a great list and i mean there's i'm really in comparison to some guys you know minuscule in in some sense you know gare
0: Oh, absolutely and you know i mean like you said, I've been doing this for thirty plus years, not quite forty years, but it's almost there. And uh, you know what? It, yours is a really tough story, but is it? You know, it like Sheldon's uh, is is unbelievable. Uh, so many involved in uh, the Swift Current bus crash uh, had incredible troubles after the fact, Um, you know, I've seen other, uh, other professional athletes with uh, addiction issues and depression issues and all sorts of mental health issues. Uh, You know what, it's not all uh, cheering and the red light going on, you know, that the athletes are full bodied rounded people, you know, in three dimensions. They're not hockey cards.
1: Yeah. And people often forget that. And, you know, the sad part for me now realizing is uh, how many guys are struggling after they leave the game, uh, whether it's at the professional level, the junior level, um, you know, because growing up in Canada, you know, we all love the game of hockey. Well, I can't say we all, but let's say the, the vast majority love the game of hockey. And uh, most kids, let's say, dream of playing in the National Hockey League, even the kids that uh, maybe never even get a chance to play ice hockey growing up because their parents couldn't afford it or their background just didn't allow it or whatever the case may be, uh, you know. But so many people have that same dream. And, you know, a lot of things get lost uh, in chasing that dream, uh, you know. And so for for someone like myself, uh, or, you know, I talked to Brent Sopel, you know, he said on the podcast that, he did something for 40 years and now the hell the hell is he supposed to get out in the real world and get a job? Like, this is all we know. And, you know, so he did it for four longer than I did and he played in pro a lot longer and had a way better career than I did. Um, but still, uh, I'll tell you, I left the game, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, at 18 when I walked away from the team, uh, in Swift current and, and came and played with the express and, um, you know, and ended up quitting uh, and I was away from the game for, for a few months there, and I watched the Express win the national championship on TV with Kyle Turris, and I was like, shit, I should have been there, you know, and I was like, man, I got to go back and play, like, and I if I'm going to play, it's got to be in the Western League. Like, I can't get a scholarship, so what's the point? If I'm not playing in the Western League, I don't want to play at all, so, um, you know, and I just set my sights on that, but, uh, you know, when I lost it at 21, let's say, Uh, more so for good I mean I came back at 24 briefly um, which was even harder than losing it but uh, you know just the last 10 years of trying to find my way without the game of hockey and having that to fall on like Brent Sopel said having someone to tell you where to go and where to be and what to eat and all that shit um, you know and then all of a sudden and I'll tell you what and when I was in jail I was like almost more comfortable because there was more structure and I couldn't really get into too much trouble. Although I did, I won't lie. I got into a little bit of trouble in there, but um, you know, like I, you get what I'm saying, Gary? Like it's.
0: absolutely. I mean, the other thing, the other thing though is that you talk about the structure that you have in your, your uh, life around the game, but it within the game, it's all about, like what you can get away with, and what what risks you can take, or blurring the lines. Uh, it, that it, you know, it's a it's a rules breakers game so long as you don't get caught. Uh, so you've got that weird sort of contrast or uh, conflict between having so much structure, uh, whether it's imposed by a team or within the culture of the team in the dressing room with your teammates uh and and also like going out and competing for the most important thing in your life and trying trying to get trying to do whatever it takes to to get there uh whether it's bending rules breaking rules whatever so it's i mean it is it those those aren't values or approaches that really help you <laughs> when you're not in the game, right? <laughs> like, no,
1: you are know, right, Gary, and it's—I uh, don't even know what I would be doing. Uh, I, with you know, this podcast, I've said it. It's right now. It's really not paying my bills. Who knows if I ever will? But I believe that it's going to bring me some opportunities, and at least it's giving me something to do uh, and to connect with positive people again. Uh, you know, and I can keep my head on straight and I'll get some good opportunities again. And I'm so fortunate. And I just thank, you know, thank you for people for listening and actually giving me a chance for you taking a chance to write this story. You know, like that really is a game changer too, Gary. So thank you for that. And, and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about our time in Swift Current because sure, uh, you know, you wrote a great piece, uh, called death or denial, uh, and or denial or death, sorry, uh, on ESPN. Uh, and I said it in the intro, you came and you and I had not met beforehand. And I was actually, you know, it's funny. I was reading the piece and it's such an amazing article. Uh, what a tragic story, as, you, as we both touched on. Um, yeah. Obviously, Sheldon Kennedy and Joe Sackick were on that bus. And I talked to Sheldon a little bit about it yesterday. Um, but I was looking at the article online and I'm looking down, and of course, at the front on the front page, there's a picture of Sheldon Kennedy and Graham James. And, um, as I go down there, of course, Sheldon Kennedy's highlighted in the article, of course, and some nice pictures of him or whatever. And then you go down, and then there's a picture of me, like in practice and Swift Current, and then a little bit about me. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is really, really bizarre. Like, uh, this is how many years later, um, you know, and now this, you've done this article now on me, and the day before the article, it just so happened that that's when Sheldon Kennedy was available. That's when his representative um, lined it up, because I, as you know, I did Brent full and then the next day, um, Sheldon Kennedy came available, and I wasn't going to pass it up. And yes, I can bank my interviews and do it that way, like some people do, but I just don't want to do that. Um, not too far ahead of time anyways, because I feel like doing it in currently on that day, if you can, just cause so much can happen in a day or before or anything. Uh, and I want to be able to, do you know what I'm saying? So, um,
0: absolutely like to, be
1: able, to be able to look at that and it just how it lined up. And I'm like, you know, and there's Sheldon and obviously his story is so public and what he's done is tremendous. Um, for like just the advocacy work he's done is, is incredible. And, um, you know there's not, there's just not enough i can say about that guy the the conversation i had with him yesterday gear was uh one i will never forget one i never really thought i would even have a chance to have with him um and man it was hard uh, but it was was really good too and so looking at this article with these pictures and also i look down like wow like there's sheldon and there's me and it's like as if, like, as if you ran into me, uh, there and it just so happened to me, me, that was the eccentric one. Like, what was your first in, in like impression of me or what do you remember about that experience? Okay. Uh, a
0: little background. When I went to, uh, Swift Current to write about the marking of the 25th or sorry, 20th anniversary of the bus crash, uh, I didn't go in with any set game plan. Uh, I, you know, I can't make things up. <laughs> I have to write what's there. But I did want to uh, get an. Imp- I want to give readers. Uh, this is. I was doing it for ESPN, so these are American readers. I want to give them uh, an impression, some background on um, what life is like for a junior hockey player, because really the by far the vast majority of American re- uh, sports readers, even even hockey fans, don't know the, the lives of junior hockey players. Uh, and certainly I-, I was trying to establish a, a sense of place for readers who couldn't find Saskatchewan on a map, right? And so, so I, I wanted to I wanted to set the scene, and and also to get an idea of, uh, if whether or how life was different for a player uh, circa two thousand seven, as opposed to nineteen eighty seven, the Broncos' first season, and I mean that bus crash was literally uh like in in midway through their their first year um so uh i I went looking for a player to talk to and uh i didn't want to get uh a first round pick or a star player or someone along those lines and i i don't really think that the broncos had someone in that in that snack bracket um but I wanted to find someone who was confident, outgoing. Uh, I wanted to find someone who wasn't from Saskatchewan, uh, so that, you know, I wouldn't get the answer. Swift Current's just like any place. Uh, I wanted someone who had come from away and, and could compare uh, Swift Current to their hometown. And uh, and it, from a city, even better. Uh, so. You were an easy call. Uh I I talked to probably I know I talked to at least 8 players uh and and sort of edited them down and focused on you and I I would have to go back and look at the lineup to see who else uh I had thought would be a good candidate. But uh you were one of the easier interviews, my brother. Like you <laughs> You know i just op- i just opened my notebook and and you you talked freely and confidently and uh I mentioned in the article that that came out in Sportsnet, I could never have guessed that uh your life would run the course uh that it did in very short order after uh after major junior hockey you know there's all kinds of people who struggle in their late 30s early 40s 50s whatever you know but to have to have the the sideways uh slide that that you did uh in your early 20s uh you'd like to think you could see it coming i couldn't see it coming at all
1: yeah it uh you know, I kind of at that time, I, no, I would have never imagined where the places it took me. I knew that at that time I had definitely had some issues, but uh, again, yeah, I just would have, could never possibly imagined. I think at that time, I think you spoke to Zach Smith, maybe he plays in yep. the NFL. Yeah, you spoke to Smitty, who he's in yeah. Chicago now. I I believe you spoke to, like, Jordy Woodrick, who was a young kid. Um, he's not playing anymore, I don't think. I think you talked to no. cat. No, you didn't talk to Woody? I thought you did. Um, did you not no, talk,
0: I, to I talk to... Uh, I, I talked to... Right. I think I talked to Paul Postma.
1: Posty. Yeah. You talked to Posty, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. We didn't really have any superstar players, but Dale Weiss was on that team. He actually called me this morning and was like, man, that, uh, that, you know, I, I just didn't know. I can't believe that's the craziest story, you know? And, um, but you know, he's all happy that I'm doing well and I've got you know, I've gotten a lot of support prior to the article, but now well, a lot more obviously, um, because of the article. So it's, it's again, been overwhelming, but you and I went out for breakfast. It was December 2nd, 2006. We went on the North service road, uh, in Swift current, uh, to Smitty's, uh, which is like attached to a gas station and that Smitty's uh, breakfast actually was our go-to spot. Uh, as a team, we used to go there all the time. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I bought breakfast on my dad's card at that (laughs) Smitty's. Um, without him knowing, probably, um, you know, probably sometimes for hanging too, like when I was 17 or, you know, and, and then going over and buying a tin of chewing tobacco right after with the same card. Uh, my yeah. poor dad, my poor dad, it cost him thousands and thousands of dollars. I've been an expensive kid. That's for sure.
0: Um, I, I can tell you, I can tell you that breakfast that day was picked up by the, by ESPN.
1: I can- oh, be- <laughs> yeah. beautiful. All right. Yeah. Well, I but think it's, they it's- had like a, they had like a three dollar and fifty cent special, but that was the place, and uh, <laughs> it was it was really good. And we used to go there all the time. But yeah, you're right. And I had no problem opening up to you. But I'll tell you what, when that article came out, you and I both took a lot of heat. Um, oh, I yeah. even The coaches even pulled me in the office, and I still to this day I'm going to be perfectly honest, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to the people at Swift Current by any means, because I want to go on the go on the record right now and say that I actually really enjoy my time in Swift Current. I really like the city of Swift Current. And for the most part, the people were phenomenal. Some of the nicest people I've met anywhere in the world. And I'm not just saying that. My billets, I had some great billets there. Like my first billets, the Weebs, um, you know, Donna and Jeff, they billeted for years. And, uh, you know, then This funny story, actually, their daughters, uh, Carly, Um, she's a billet now for the Broncos. Um, she billeted a couple of the kids that won the Western Mm -hmm. league championship. She followed in the footsteps, but then her sister, Kaylin was actually dating the guy on the team who knocked my teeth out. You know what I mean? (laughs) So yeah, like, you know what I mean? It was just kind of funny. Right. But you know, and I've stayed in contact with Carly, like, and she's been really supportive and her husband, Mike, and they're doing the billeting thing. Like they were great. And then I lived with the Marcus family. They were really nice. And then, uh, the following year I had like the best billets, ever in swift current um they moved me actually because uh that they moved me right next door to mike Hangin, my best friend they literally moved me right next door like i had him on the podcast and we talked about it because the year before i got all homesick and they let me go home and they were trying to accommodate my needs like i wasn't like a first so first rounder but like i was their rookie of the year and like if we didn't have a very good team that year and i didn't play that much but like i was set up as an 18 year old to have every opportunity to succeed um and, you know, and I'll be honest, after I kind of quit, they gave the, they gave that role to Levi Nelson and he ran with it and got drafted by the Boston Bruins, uh, and played in the American league for a bit or whatever, but he filled in my role. Um, and, uh, I'll, t- I actually fought him next, the next year in practice and beat him up pretty bad. <laughs> I remember, I remember always kind of being jealous of him in that sense. Right. But he was a good player, but I fought a lot in practice, but that's just sort of part of, um, it happens. It's not, uh. You know, him and I shook hands after, and that's just the way it goes. But, um, yeah, I was really open with you. And, like, the, the thing was is I don't really know why um, what was said that really pissed them off so much other than the fact that it said, like, oh, I uh, I don't know if I'll ever be totally comfortable with the town of Swift Current. Well, how could I be? Like, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I went to high school there, and I would get, you know, people, these, these guys would – Honestly, try to, like, antagonize me to fight them and yell at me and, um, you know, beak me off and challenge me, um, you know, or threaten me or whatever, and not just me. And so was I comfortable in the high school? No. They were making fun of my clothes and, you know, I was probably well, it, making you fun know- of their clothes. It, it's, you know, it's whatever. But what that was the truth. All I did yeah. was tell the and you rec- you reported it so how can they be mad at you i i was confused but yeah. what do you want to say about that
0: well what i was gonna say and this goes back to the point that i was making before uh, you know uh, and god bless the the people of swift current <laughs> you know like i'm sure that there were pe- people upset and uh, i also had like feedback from darcy Regeer, who is the gm of uh, the Buffalo Sabres uh, from Swift Current. And he told me that I completely nailed the portrayal of, of Swift Current. And there were people uh, in the organization, their play-by-play guy or a color guy, I'm not sure, uh, who said, like, I came in to do a hatchet job. I Like, use your, use your sense, right? What does an outfit based in, in Manhattan and Bristol, Connecticut... Have against the town of Swift Current, right? Like, it, it, like I have no, I have no agenda whatsoever to come in and do that. Now, what I would say is that in telling your story, and in in telling the stories of of players at that level, at that time, I was I was not just telling pe- the the readers about Swift Current. I was also telling them about stories that play out in Prince Albert, or in Moose Jaw, or, uh, you know, in Owen Sound, or uh, Valdor, or Bay Homo, right, I was trying to, to show what the lives of, of junior players are like, uh, because it's a completely foreign concept to uh, the U.S. sports model, you know, players go off and play college, or junior college, right, they... they they don't go, you know, five states over and, and uh, play for a team thousands of miles from home and live in someone's basement or spare bedroom. Completely foreign idea to, to sports readers, uh, you know, the readers of ESPN. They just don't know that, that sports model at all. So that, that's really what I was trying to capture. And I, like in what I was saying about you, never feeling quite comfortable i i I think that that's that isn't universally the case that isn't always the case Uh, and i do know some guys who actually kept a very strong connection to the community where they played junior hockey uh and i also know guys (laughs) that that you know have gone back to see their number raised but really have no involvement uh, with the town, so well,
1: Swift, Swift Current will never be raising my numbers no. to the Raptors, but yeah, I will. Say I'm not going I'm not, on
0: any wall of honor, but
1: yeah. Well, I will say though, you know, uh, the majority of people that read that article were in Swift Current were likely Bronco fans, um, yeah. probably really good people, people that support the team, uh, people that would have no idea that we were treated this way in school or that there are people that didn't like us because maybe past players did something or maybe whatever the case may be. Um, so it was kind of unfair in that sense. Like we were just shedding the light and telling the truth. And it wasn't, it wasn't just swift current. You're right. The same shit happens in moose jaw and everywhere else. And it's just people being people. That's all it is. It doesn't matter if it's hockey or, or whatever. So, You know, it's really unfortunate that that's what they took away from it. Like, that to me was what the buzz around the town was about. Not like, hey, let's remember these four um, players that lost their lives and let's see this article that does an incredible job, um, you know, commemorating them and just showing the town of Swift Kern and what a great hockey town it is um of course there's going to be some blunders and some nothing is perfect so I just to me it was a little it was wasn't even a little it was a lot over the top um I got in shit from the coaches basically I wasn't even allowed to post anything or talk to anybody or uh like it was and I was just like you know what like okay sure I'll abide by the rules now or whatever but I still was like I don't Think I did anything wrong, and I still feel that way. I, I'm—I spoke the truth. You did nothing wrong by reporting the truth. You didn't come there with an agenda, like you said, because you can't go there knowing what I'm going to tell you. So I, I just want people again to to really stop and think. Maybe reread the article. Remember too that you know um, there's a life outside of the rink and you know I was also. When, when that jacket story happened or the school, I was 17, you know, yeah. I was 19 when I told you about it, but it was a high school kid story, really. So yeah. people wanted to judge the whole article based on that. But anyways, it honestly, it makes me laugh now, but, uh, unfortunately, um, that kind of, you know, the, the town of Swift current was really upset when I quit when I was 18. Uh, I remember there was a WHL fans forum or whatever. Um, that I used to be on regularly, all the players did, because, you know, it was pre-Facebook days, uh, Network 54, I think it was, or WHL fans, or whatever, and it was, you know, a lot of people went on it, a lot of fans went on it, and it was a way that, you know, I used to like to see what the fans were writing about me, good or bad, you know, and uh, that's where a lot of the stuff was written about the article, I remember, Um, a lot of the fans, that's where I read it anyways, I'm not sure where you read it, but... Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the fans were mad when I quit, uh, but they weren't understanding what was going on. I was obviously dealing with mental health problems. Um, I was, you know, I quit for my ex-girlfriend, my high school sweetheart and whatever. But when I came back, um, I'll be honest, the team was, you know, a lot of the guys were were good with it. But there were a couple like Miles Rumsey, uh, who I don't really think wanted me to come back um, because they looked at it as a betrayal. And they didn't really trust me. And that's why I started fighting a lot as a 19-year-old, really. I was always a skilled player. Like, I was a skilled guy. I was supposed to be a scorer, not a fighter. And then uh, I kind of turned into a little bit of both um, uh, by the end of it. But I did it out of desperation because I was trying to win over my teammates and the coaches and the fans and all that. And uh, eventually I did. I, I won them all over. Then this article comes out. Uh, And then the fans, some of them started hating on me again. And then shortly after that, I got that girl pregnant and pulled the piece of shit move. Uh, And then they really hated me after that. And then I got traded. Uh, And uh, I thought I was going to get booed out of the place when I went back there, January 29th, 2008, I think it was. But uh, I was, like I said, I was riding a a 13 game point streak, 14 goals, 13 assists going into Swift and went there and. After that, I went nine games, no points. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> pretty, that's pretty crazy. funny. Pretty funny how things work, isn't it?
0: Well, it, you know, like I, I think that you were scapegoated. That you, you took the criticism because I, I don't think that uh, the people of of Swift Current wanted to accept uh, a certain level of. Of blame for how things played out, and the one the one thing, and I don't know, I mean, I don't. I sounded Sheldon out about it back back in in that time, but if if you remember in the story, I spoke to uh, Sheldon's billets uh, and
1: Colleen McBain.
0: Yeah, and and I I said you know like. no suspicions that your, your, your player is staying out all night. And no, we know that he went to the coaches. It's like, okay, I, I can get it. Maybe it's, it's sort of short-sighted. It's not willful blindness, but like the thing that really struck me odd was when, when we started talking about Graham James and they said words to the effect but the precise words are in the article um it's a shame because he was such a good coach (laughs) i'm thinking like what's your standard here like seriously you know it's that's like saying charles manson great guitarist right (laughs) like it it doesn't add up so there, there were like these weird contradictions or or weird feelings about that team this is one uh, and i think it's in the article but I, I mean i'm sure that you never went there but every small town and swift Current's only so small much smaller towns in in saskatchewan have their local museum commemorating the history of the community and in the in the swift current museum there's no mention of the bus crash Right. Nothing. Really? There's yeah. Not a sign. Right. You would think that that would be it, it. You would think that that would be one of the most important moments. Now the players from that team in the bus crash went on and won a Memorial cup, a couple of years removed, including, you know, a brother of, uh, brothers of uh, one of the players killed, but, but you would think that they would, that, that, it would be marked in a significant way in the Swift Current Museum. And that's really where the denial <laughs> comes in, right? Uh, that, that, you know, and I mean, you can speak to it better than I can. Uh, that, uh, you know, it, it was to say an austere to understated recognition of the anniversary, uh, you know, in the, in the pregame and uh, other, other players from that team had come back when, on that date uh, in early January uh, in previous years, and there was no mention of the accident. There was no mention of that team. Uh, so it was just a very, that, that, that was something I could not have planned to write. <laughs> this is you know the idea that I came in to take people down I I mean if I just put down that you thought Graham James was a good coach and it's a shame about the other stuff I'm not casting a judgment here I'm just taking dictation right that yeah. you look bad I not my fault I'm doing my job right yeah. not, not yeah. what I what what I anticipated so so that I, I think that they wanted to, to blame the fallout, the negative fallout from this story on someone. I was convenient cause I'm not around and I'm from the East and I'm, you know, from They they thought I was an American. They, they cut me up for like, like you, they cut me up for the hat I was wearing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and you were. I had the same one. I had the same
1: hat. I remember that hat. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, uh, you know, you know where I'm coming from on this, right? Someone has to take a fall, and they don't want to look in the mirror and say, "You know what? We how how did we miss it? That no one said that, right? And and the fact is that when when that team went in other buildings, uh, like they, they would fag bash Graham James like that. It was all over. And that's in the story as well. Right. Is yeah. that it, it, the, that, uh, Graham James's, um, sex, sexual perversions might've been a secret in Swift current, but they, that's about the last place they were a secret because it was all over the dub. And you know, I had that from from coaches in the league, and you know, I, I mean, and it's it wasn't just a coincidence of you know beaking someone, uh, you know, of, of heckling someone. Like it was, it was, it was a known deal. You'd have to try and not know it, not to know it.
1: Yeah. Well, I you know, yeah, it's I, yeah, it's. I don't really know even know how to uh, really even take it all in to be honest gear because uh just to hear that there's real no in the museum like that's something i'm sitting here listening going like okay well maybe i what can i do crazy what can i do to change that you know like um you know i don't even want to be the face of it let's just get it done and and uh there's
0: there's like a hundred stuffed gophers right and nothing for the for that team for the for the four players who died now they have uh, the plaque and pictures up in the arena and, yeah. and that's in the story the, the photograph of it's in the story but there is this weird collective consciousness or a uh, memory you know if a town could have a memory then a, a lot of the stuff around the bus crash and uh, around graham james people just don't want to go there they've sort of wanted to go on the back burner or in the freezer or through the garbage disposal they don't want to revisit it reheat it they they don't want to go there um so uh i you know i had I had a lot of really good feedback about that story. um, Not just from ESPN or, or hockey fans. Uh, And uh, yeah, one of the, one of the stories I'm proudest of, I think it would be on a very short list across almost 40 years.
1: Yeah. Well, it's no, like I said, it's a, it's a great article and um, that's, yeah, I'm, I, want to see that there should be like a statue or something for those guys there. You would think like even uh, yeah, outside the rink or something, but yeah, you know what? Uh, it's a hard issue because, you know, maybe because of the Graham James thing, it gets kind of overshadowed, but yeah, it's a hard thing to talk about. But I talked about it yesterday with Sheldon and yeah. Sheldon's such a positive guy. What an incredible human being this guy is like, yeah. you know, the way he talked to me and the conversation we had and, um, you know, just his energy is just great. And obviously he's worked to get there and, um, he's battled through a lot, but uh, I mean, I think even he would agree with me, the fact that, you know what, yes, there's this dark cloud because of Graham James, but there's also uh, a tragic story of four people that lost their lives and a great story of, 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 uh, of a comeback winning Memorial cup championship just two years later. So yeah. How do you forget that? Just because of what, the bad things that happened, uh, you know. People always say, "Oh, you have to look at the positives." Well, then let's start looking at the positives. You know, yeah. Uh, that's uh, what I, what I would
0: what what I would say is that, like people in people in in small town Saskatchewan, and I've spent like some time in a couple other places. Spent a fair bit of time in Yorkton. Uh, they are that i well what i would say is i found swift current by comparison uh chillier emotionally than yorkton and i don't know if it's that you know it's a town of fifteen thousand with 19 churches or whatever it is and and you've got M- mennonites and hutterites and all kinds of of uh religious sex rep- represented um but there is sort of uh like uh, a, a not there, there's less emotion there than you would find in a, a lot of of towns you know in a lot of communities uh you know enthusiastic about the hockey team most definitely you know but in terms of personal engagement uh i i don't know that it's um you know that that it's uh an open doors uh open arms type of of community i found it uh pretty standoffish uh if if i'll i'll, le- I'll leave it at standoffish <laughs> but it it it's it you know it's it's it, there there are places you know i, I mentioned owen sound earlier I mean, there, everyone knows all the players and engages them, and it, you know, you have a billet, but it's like you have nineteen thousand billets, right? You know, uh, you know, and, and like I've seen it work in other communities. Like Ramouski was amazing that way. Um, I, I was there when Vincent LeCave was there, and when when Sid was there. And uh, this past year, when uh, Lafreniere was playing out of there, like there's a real rallying and and warmth to the community that there that was pure ice in uh, in Swift Current.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's again, uh, I really don't even have anything bad to say about swift current other than the fact that i made some bad choices there myself um but as far as you saying players going back there uh, on that day beforehand and nothing being done that really is unfortunate to hear but again we can't look too much in the past. Let's you know, I hear these things and I'm writing stuff down as I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, "Okay, hey, these are the things I'm highlighting. I want this to change. Let's see if I can do." And it's not like I'm going to think here and change the world, but there's a few little things that can be changed that that I see that, you know, um, that I think should be implemented. And that's just one of them in, in Swift Current for sure, but uh, the town of Swift Current is really a hockey town. Uh, I haven't been back there since since my time uh, with the clone rockets in 2008, when I got chased out of the rink pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, which was unfortunate because I wanted to be an enjoyable experience. And I just, I never could have imagined myself um, making that horrible choice, turning my back on that kid. Like I did, uh, you, you highlighted it in the article and um, that's maybe been the biggest challenge. Uh, I think through all of this, uh, that's the one thing that really, um, yes, I came out with um yesterday, I, I opened up about my sexual abuse when I was a kid. Um, and obviously, that has effects on my life. Um, but the final, I think, nail in the coffin was when I, you know, uh, because this was a choice that I made. Um, you know, what happened to me when I was a kid, that was out of my control. But, uh, you know, at 20 years old, I made a choice to, to say, you oh, know, this isn't my kid or whatever. And I knew better. Um, so for the last 10, 12 years, uh, it's been really hard. And, and being able to learn to forgive myself, not just for that, but for a lot of things, has is, is been a, a real struggle. Um, but I would love to go back to Swift Current. I know they do, like, an alumni golf tournament, and I'm planning on going back one of these years. I want to get back to Kelowna, too, if the world ever goes back to normal. Who who really knows? But, oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, well, I was ahead,
0: gonna, Yeah, I was going to say, like, I actually went back to Swift Current uh, a few years later. Uh, but I've been back a couple times, actually. Uh, most recently, I guess this was 2015 or so, I rode the bus with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, from Seattle out to Brandon, you know, the, the, big, the big Eastern swing. And it played out over the better part of two weeks because there was the... Uh, there was the Russian series in the middle of it. Uh, So we ended up spending uh, 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 three days, three nights uh, on the reserve where Ethan Bear uh, comes from in Saskatchewan. Uh, So, I I mean, I, I got an eyeful of, of the dub that trip. Uh, And uh, I I got flack uh, when, when, I got my press pass to go in the arena uh, in Swift Current. They were all set to turn me away, right? Wow. and And not even let me buy a ticket. Uh, so that was fully eight years after the fact and, and like, people remembered. So, uh, yeah, I got, I got hassled a bit, but you know what? I've been doing this too long, right? Like, I don't rattle. You know, I, I mean, give me a hard time. I've 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 had real people give me a hard time, so.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure I am sure they're gonna get over it. I, I hope that when I go back there, the reception's not, uh, good for me. And uh, you know, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, I want to bring our my attention our attention back to the article that you know sure. was released this morning on Sportsnet. Gary, I'll be yeah. honest; it was uh, you know I was nervous. I remember you know I've, you and I worked on that for what. Three weeks, I would say, two and a half weeks. Well, I, I didn't would really say work we, on it. I just talked. You really worked on it, but
0: I would say, I would say, we crammed three weeks of work into about a week, right? Like or ten days or something like that. I, like I was working, uh, I was working pretty hard on it. I will admit uh, to turn it around uh, fast enough. I wanted to make sure that we got it out early enough so that it uh, will give your podcast a bit of a bounce, uh, call attention to it, like in its early days. You know, I don't see, I couldn't see doing this story in June. You know, I, I wanted to, to turn it around fast and do a good job. And uh, the illustrator just did such an amazing job with, uh, he, though, with the artwork. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. What's going on with
1: yeah, I'm going to talk to this guy because I need a new podcast logo badly. My people at the Hockey Podcast Network messaging me, they're like, this is a problem. We have standards at this network. If you can't do it, we'll get someone to do it. And da, da, da. Yeah. But I really like that picture. So we'll talk off, uh, off the air about that. But yeah, like honestly, he did such an amazing job. You actually sent me a couple sketches uh, yep. earlier in the week. And I mean, I've been holding on to those pretty tight i'll be honest i showed a couple people i think i sent them to my dad and i showed my girlfriend of course Um, yeah but like don't show anybody these right and then you sent me the the final one there yesterday and i was just my jaw dropped i was like that's you know it's it's really cool to see like when it's you know somebody do that and to see you know my life portrayed the the guy did a great job obviously uh and you did a great job obviously telling the story and writing it for him to be able to do that so uh you know what was it it like
0: it you was know, an important
1: challenges with writing the story. Were there challenges? What was the biggest? Challenge oh
0: my gosh! I like what I would say, and I mean, maybe the reader can get it, but certainly other writers who I spoke to uh, today, they said, you know what? There are so many left turns and right turns, and uh, you know, in rehab. Uh, it, you know in in detox back on the street uh it, it, there there were so many that, and you mentioned that your thoughts were pinballing but you in fact were sort of pinballing for uh, you know just even physically and emotionally uh just bouncing from one bumper to the next uh for for a few years And it it, it, was—it's hard to get that across uh, in uh, to to get that timeline across in print or in its, you know, in in, uh, uh, words and pictures. Uh, It's—it's hard to to organize that. You know, it's—it's not, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby, you know, from Halifax or Coal Harbour. Goes to a Minnesota high school, then Ramuski, then to Pittsburgh. It wasn't a straight line that you took, believe me. Like you, so that was just even managing that uh, was tough. Um, but you did a lot of my work for me, uh, and and your dad actually. Although you, you know, I tried to keep, I tried to keep his involvement. I, I wanted whatever you said, I wanted it to, to be strong, but you gave such great context to, um, uh, you know, the, the physical and emotional experience of being on the streets and addicted to heroin and, uh, you know, going through, uh, rehab and detox and trying to stay straight. Like you did going to AA and NA, um, you know, you, you did a lot of heavy lifting there. I did, I did a lot of stenography. Okay. Like I, I just tried to get a timeline together and your dad, you know, uh, God bless him. Um, and, and like, I can identify cause your dad and I, uh, he's a little bit younger than me, but, uh, it, you know, the idea of seeing your son on crime stoppers or, uh, you know, going down to East Hastings Street, trying to find your son. uh you know that stuff uh every line that he speaks in that it, it, I just saw it as being like a, a gut punch to a parent. You know, if a parent reads that, uh you are speaking to uh, a different generation than your father is your, your father's engagement with the reader, you know, people, people would read your story and say, I don't think that I could, I could fall so far so fast. Right. But someone of my generation would read it thinking, how would I deal with this happening to my son or daughter? You know, like I I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, so I, I I think that between you and your dad, um, we we managed to get across, you know, that it's not you, it's not you and your addiction issues and uh, the the uh, crimes in in your past. Th- those aren't in isolation; they touch other people's lives and uh your your dad sort of really reinforced that uh he he uh yeah, he's a, he's a good man That's that's what i can say he uh he weathered the storm better than i would um so and i i know he's he's pulling hard for you you're uh, did you get the microphone he sent you or, or is that what you're oh, speaking on right now
1: oh man my dad pulled through at the last minute right when yeah. i was having Doug. Right when I was having Doug McLean, on, you guys have no idea. People listening have no idea how much my dad has gone through and what my dad has done for me. My dad is incredible. He is actually – my dad, you know, he was a hard man to, like – I used to call him after every single game as soon as I got out of the dressing room. That was sort of our thing like a lot of guys do to their parents. But, um, you know, like it, we really lost touch over these last 10 years. He didn't come to see me for the first year I was in jail. He didn't talk to me, didn't do anything. He knew I was safe. I think that was the most important thing for him. My mom was coming and giving him messages, so that was good. Uh, he knew what was going on in that, but uh, he was really crushed, and uh, I can't imagine that. So I want to go on the air and say, I've already I texted him, called him this morning and said, yeah, I'm sorry. I had no idea that you were looking for me down there. Like uh, That's what – that's reading the article. That's what got me. That's what put me over the edge. I'm like, Oh, you know, like you're right. It was a gut punch. Even to me, it was like, wow. You know, cause me and my dad haven't had that conversation. So anyways, he, he texted me this morning. was like, you know what? Great job. That's the first time he said that to me in a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, and I asked him if he would come on my podcast, like when I first started and he's like, not a chance. Right. But he no. said to me, <laughs> he said to me today, he said to me today, he's like, I will be your 50th guest so i'm like putting it on my calendar um i can't wait to get my dad on here i love my dad with all my heart he's put up with so much of my shit and when he comes on i don't want him to pull any punches because i mean i pulled some shit like you don't even know yeah. like it was well I'll, t-
0: I'll tell you i'll tell you what he said to me uh <laughs> and uh, like i've i've got to duck out into a meeting yeah. shortly but uh like when i was talking to him um uh, I I said, you know, like, what were you going through through all this? And when uh, when Brady was uh, in the corrections center in Ontario, and and he said, uh, you know what, I didn't know where he was. (laughs) You know, I was I I was told that you know that he was being held. I didn't know where. I didn't know what for. They wouldn't give me the details. and I'm sitting there thinking, you've told me this story, but it's not my place to tell them, right? So I'm trying to to strike this very delicate balance, uh, it, you know, because that's that's something between you and your dad. Uh, it's not my my role to uh, uh, inject myself uh, in in something. In, in family business, it's not that's not not what I'm about. Um, you know, you can say that I took cheap shots at different people over the years. Whatever, I, I think the people who have a grievance against me could all share a cab home. Uh, but and I uh, but I try and play by a set of rules, right? Um, and I I, I want to be trusted, and I thought that that was the great thing uh, that came out of the story uh, for Sportsnet, you know, is that uh, uh, I was able to win your trust. And uh, I tried to do the best possible job that I could do and the fairest possible job that I could do. And that's been what I've always done. I did that with Patrick O'Sullivan uh, back in the day, when you know I broke the story about his dad, which could be a story for another time, another podcast. But uh, I, you know, I, I, I try and t- I try and take a high ground, and I think people in my business—and I'm not defending my business by any stretch—I think people in my business take the low road if they can't take the high road well. And I, I'm never worried about having enough to write or being able to write or having to do something cheap because I I can write my way around it. I can not make stuff yeah, up.
1: You sure can. You sure can. You're a great yeah. writer. Here, no doubt. There's no denying that. And uh, I don't want to cut you off. I know you have to go, but that yeah. brings me into my next point. So like um, I started writing this book, Hockey to Heroin, a long time ago, but I lost some of it, but got some of it back. I'm going to share a story on another podcast, but I have a lot. But, uh, so anyways, you've written books for penguin publishing, which is, I want to tell you this story. I've never told you this story before, and this is a true story. I'll send you the picture as soon as we're off this podcast. So when I, my favorite animal is a penguin. The reason being is because they're loyal. Uh, they mate for life. The male penguin finds a pebble for the female penguin presents it. If they accept, she accepts they're together for life. If people don't know, I've always loved penguins. True story. Um, Full disclosure, though, my dad really liked penguins. I think that's why I started to like them when I was a kid. But as I I started to learn very young, because my dad liked them, so I liked them. Then I started researching them. And when I found out all that, I was like, these these animals are the coolest. Like, they're loyal. That's the biggest thing to me. So fast forward, now I'm 14. My auntie, Lori, who is my little eccentric aunt, she's 10 years younger than my mom on my mom's side. She takes me to get my tattoo. I want to get a tattoo of a penguin. Well, originally, I had this tattoo that I wanted to get this cartoonish penguin, like Chili Willy, um, who a friend of mine, David Rutherford, has that tattoo now, one that very similar because he also likes penguins, too, kind of matching tattoos. But I changed it at the last second. Um, I got it when I was 14. He got it years later. But uh, I actually changed it. It's the penguin logo. I'm not even kidding. The book logo, but with a hockey stick and a number 10 in the middle. I'm not even basic. It is the same logo changed backwards the penguin label logo and so it's kind of weird you know what i mean now i'm talking to you it's <laughs> like that's 14 i'm not shitting you i'll send you the picture i'll post it on my facebook so people can see it um it's and I, it's i'll dig my, it's on the I'll back di- of my calf
0: I'll, I'll dig up a penguin uh publishing t-shirt then i know For i know where calf. where i can send it
1: awesome well, I'll th- send th- you thank my you but I appreciate yeah. you doing this here. And you did, you did such a great job in the article, man. And uh, I want to talk to you about possibly writing a book or something, maybe together doing something down the road. But um, Garrett, thank you so much for your time. I know you have your meeting, but yeah, great job with the article, man. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care Brady. Thank you. Thanks Garrett. Yep. I want to thank Garrett Joyce once again for joining me on this episode of hockey to heroin, the road to recovery. Um, and also for doing just an absolutely fantastic job on the article on sportsnet.ca. If you haven't seen it, head over there, check it out. It's part of their big read section. Gare has also written a number of pieces that are just fantastic. He did one uh, on the epidemic in the 1918-1919 season. Um, You know, there was like a flu epidemic. Uh, It's a very, very good read. check it out so thank you gear for uh, you know sifting through my crazy life story and um, you know piecing together that and thank you to the sketch artist who did a fabulous job with the artwork I hope that I can use that piece for my podcast logo if not I'm gonna use something very similar because I just just love it Um, you know I want to once again uh, you know say sorry and thank you to my father Brian for everything he's gone through um you know i really look forward Dad, to mending our relationship i love you with all my heart uh, i know i was a disappointment uh, through this all that was one of the hardest things was knowing i was disappointing you and hurting you and um, taking advantage of you in a lot of situations uh, that's something uh, that maybe we can talk about i'm really looking forward to having you on um, probably uh, you know looking forward to having you on more than anybody else Dad, I love you, and uh, you know, thank you for um, you know supporting me through this. And I know you got me this microphone, and it it obviously the audio quality is a lot better. And um, you know, I'm ge- hopefully going to get some good opportunities from this, and not let you down anymore. So, Dad, thank you. Um, please, guys. Uh, you know check out the episode with Sheldon Kennedy and Brent Sobel. those two were uh, very very powerful, thank you to them, thank you for all my guests Uh, once again I want to take this time to thank Kevin Peterson, he's my very first guest Um, Gary didn't mention it in the article but I did tell him uh, there was just so much for him to to write down, he didn't get a chance to to, uh, mention it but Kevin Peterson uh, was the very first guest I had on this podcast, he took a flyer on me Um, Kevin I can't thank you enough brother, I love you uh you know thank you for setting the wheels in motion man when uh you know, everybody was probably counting me out. You gave me a shot. So thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please head over to teamissue.ca. Check it out, guys. Their clothes are sick. Promo code toadrag 15 to get 15% off. Uh, you know, take care of each other out there, guys. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, another day clean and sober. Another day alive. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing this again. My next guest will be Montreal Canadiens forward Dale Weiss, my old line mate from Swift Current. Take care, guys.